0: Well, good morning again. So here we are in this sanctuary on a day when the signs of winter have arrived. Snow is on the ground. And I noticed yesterday there was a different smell in the air different s- during the snowfall. Did anybody else notice that? Yeah. The sun is out right now, but the days are getting shorter. And in less than two weeks, we will have the longest night of the year. So we gather in this sanctuary seeking warmth and inspiration. We light candles, we sing. And for thousands of years, in the winter, in the cold, in the dark, humans have passed long evenings by gathering together to rest and sing and talk around a fire. Storytelling often ensues. Of course, now, as some people sometimes are alone, by choice or not, but gathering around a fire is an instinct, and we long for story to make sense of this life we live. Now, in this winter, here at the end of the year 2017, as we face challenges in the complex world around us, And as we face aches in our hearts and as we meet new possibilities, we seek wisdom and comfort. That can come from many places, but this morning, I would like to talk about wisdom and comfort coming from friends and family through their stories. I would like to talk about storytelling. And here is the message I hope you leave with today. Deep inside each other, are pearls of wisdom and messages of comfort, and we can gain from them if we ask and if we listen. During this holiday season, you might find yourself at gatherings, perhaps with family, however you define family, and you may find you have choices about how you guide the conversation. Storytelling is different than polite conversation or witty banter or political debate. I'm talking about listening to someone tell what happened to them. It doesn't have to be a skilled or crafted story. I'm talking about just honest, authentic saying how things went in one part of one chapter of life. Now scholars have said that a story has five elements. The setting the characters, the plot, the conflict, and the resolution. And usually, without knowing it, people engage in these five elements. We heard it in the story that Peter told. The setting, his father was at a boxing event. The characters, his father, the commanding officer, and the bruiser. The plot, a past boxer, being at a current boxing event. He told the conflict, the problem of being told to fight and facing danger when he did not want to. And he told the resolution, his father quickly and easily won the fight. But there was a deeper resolution, which is the courage that Peter gains from knowing this story. Whenever we listen to someone tell a story, we can ask more about each of those five elements. And on the cover of your order of service, I gave you some cues to take with you in the month ahead to ask more about where, to ask more about who, to ask more about what, to ask more about how, to ask more about why. Storytelling can bring people closer. It shows where people got their values. Listening to stories helps us see how characters face conflicts and work out dilemmas and choose a path that is right. And when the characters are people that we know and are close to, that enriches our lives even more. It helps us know what matters to them, It helps us understand them on a more spiritual level, and it helps us understand ourselves on a more spiritual level. So today I want to offer four ways that you can use stories to deepen your spiritual life. First, there is the storytelling that is part of grief. After the death of a loved one, as a person strives to make sense of what has happened, they may find themselves telling again and again what happened during the illness, the accident, the assault, or at the time of death. Where were you? Who was there or not? What were the complications and stressors? How did you receive help and find resolution? By telling the story, you let this new reality sink in. For us to be whole as humans, we need to have all parts of our story intact to be integrated. Storytelling is also a way of celebrating what was wonderful about the person who died. That is why at memorials, the officiant or friends and family share anecdotes and tales of funny or special events. And this is important for the next generation to hear. They need to know they are part of something bigger than themselves. It gives them humility and courage. Also, after someone has died, there might be things that need to be forgiven or remain unresolved. And by telling the story, even if it has an unsatisfactory ending, one can be witness to this fragmentation. For isn't it true that life often is fragmented? And here's one more story, reason that stories about dying can be helpful. I hear many people say they are afraid of dying and afraid of being around another person who is dying. This modern society doesn't teach us how to companion another person in a natural death. It is a process which requires patience and is full of mystery and unknowns. And so we benefit when someone else tells how they experienced being bedside and keeping vigil during a death. So if you have, I encourage you to let others hear your lessons and listen to theirs, share with the next generation. So I've told you my first point, the value of storytelling about death and dying. And I want to acknowledge right here that when grief is new, the way those stories get told is really different than the later stages of grief. And so I want to encourage everyone to honor wherever you are on that path. A second way that storytelling enriches a value-based life is when elders communicate values to young folks. Here's one example from my family. My mom used to tell us kids that my grandfather was known in his town as the short man with a tall conscience. One day, he accidentally ran a red light. And because this bothered him so, he went to the police station. He told the chief of police what he had done. The police chief paused, looked at him, and said, well, um, don't do it again. <laughs> And that's how he got to be known as the short man with a tall conscience. I think my mom told us kids this story to let us know to do what is right, but not to be too vigilant about enforcement. (laughs) So storytelling within families is especially important in cultures that are blending. Family stories that communicate values are often intertwined with historical events. And here is an example from a woman named Yoshiko Uchida who has told her family stories in books that are accessible to children. So in a children's book called Journey Home, Yoshiko describes a girl during World War II who lived in the internment camps that were built to imprison Japanese Americans in the United States. In her family, the model of the samurai warrior was lifted up. And the samurai warriors were in her Japanese ancestry, and they embodied intelligence and gentleness with the capacity for swift action when needed, but restraint when needed. In the novel, after World War II, the family leaves the internment camp and tries to reintegrate into daily life in the San Francisco Bay Area. She sees her father make choices in the family business that require restraint as well as strength just as a samurai warrior would do. And when she faces conflict in the schoolyard, she uses the family model of the samurai warrior to help guide her. So we see that she was helped by the stories from her elders. Now there's one more thing that happens in this book. She also learns about the absence of stories. Her older brother comes back injured from fighting during the war. He's quiet and withdrawn. He disappears for days at a time. He does not tell stories. So she learns about waiting until someone is ready to share pain that is complex beyond words. Here in the year 2017, as the holiday routine comes around again, the news media seems to repeat human pains throughout history. Public lands being lost for private gain, women coming forward to tell of being harmed and receiving backlash yet again, violence in war-torn places, leaders with ego endangering others. If we ask our elders, we may hear how they navigated times when society seemed to be careening and twisted and how they handled things over which they did not have direct control. Children today who want to know something can simply dictate a request into their phone and the answer will be given them. Unless, of course, the thing that they need to know is about values and discernment and navigating tricky life situations. That is why they need to hear from their elders and also to have their elders ask them about their stories, their stories from the school day, their stories from the bus, their stories from the locker room, their stories from police interactions. Children need to know that they and others are redeemable. So they need to hear stories of redemption. They need to know that they are part of shared history. They need friends that are not just on Facebook and allies, not just, not just their own age. So I've told you why I think storytelling is helpful after a death through the years and how storytelling communicates values to children. And now third, I lift up storytelling as a help in committed, intimate relationships. I'm drawing on a book called Lasting Marriage by Harvey Yoder, a family counselor and Mennonite pastor in Harrisonburg who shares honestly about his experience with his spouse. He observes, and I'm quoting here, Spouses need to learn to fully accept and respect each other, differences in all. If we are too quick to take offense or to accuse our spouse of intentionally distressing us, we become highly anxious and upset and can create mountains out of the smallest molehills. That has happened all too often in our marriage, he says, when, in a desperate attempt to fix things, we resorted to strategies that only made things worse and to unhelpful patterns of behavior we had learned in our family of origin. Our nearly two years of dating and engagement would have been great times to learn more about each other's family scripts and stories, behaviors and attitudes. We could have begun early the good work of better understanding our interactions as a couple and more fully appreciating the strengths we brought into our relationship. So he goes on to give an example. His own father was raised by a man who was widowed three times, left to raise nine children. So the model in that family was of a father as a steady provider who was quiet and sad. He shares another story of his mother, who was religiously devout and very hospitable while also being frugal. In that family, niceness was prized and conflict was swept under the rug. So he came into his marriage with very little modeling of how to address conflict in open and constructive ways. So I'm guessing that all of us here have learned that unspoken expectations can be a strain in a relationship? Yes. And if we knew how to speak them, we probably would, right? Yes. So storytelling can help reveal expectations. And so my friends, whether you are in a committed partnership or dating, or think you might date sometime in the future, I commend to you to tell stories about your family of origin, and to ask the other person their family stories. Here are some ideas to ask the other person. How does your family celebrate holidays? What is the story behind your name? How did your folks handle mistakes? Were there budgeting conversations in your home? Did your parents ever talk about sex? Now, you might be cringing as you hear me say this. You may be thinking that on a first date or a second or third or tenth date of dinner and a movie, no one is going to be in the middle of eating french fries or popcorn and ask about sex or money, at least in another person's family of origin. So you can take a less less direct route and look for opportunities. If the other person tells a story, ask a few follow-up questions to learn more. Keep looking for insight into what shapes them, how they make sense of the world, and what unwritten rules guide them. Later, this can help greatly in the partnership by allowing mutual understanding and support. And that is part of living a whole life as lovingly as possible. So finally, the fourth way that storytelling can enhance a spiritual life is by understanding your fellow congregants. When someone joins the congregation, what is the story behind that? Is it to seek a resolution to their story so far? Or is it because they got some resolution and they're free from a previous story? And what about the folks who have built this congregation together over the decades? What keeps them coming and gathering and giving and listening and learning? I encourage you to ask each other what gifts you want to share and how others want to give. In the last year, I've been working closely with the usher coordinators and trying to support the usher team better, and I keep on wondering What is it that motivates people to get up and get here 20 or 30 minutes early and then stay late and do all the things that are unseen but are so hospitable? So in closing, I'd like to put this in the context of the season. Some people say that this is the season of gifts. Perhaps a gift you give this year is the gift of asking questions and then listening. Let your kids see you do it. Let your kids hear the answers. Coach them to ask questions. If you're alone, write letters or put a question on Facebook and invite others to share. A true gift is to listen, to listen to someone as they find their own wisdom and comfort, the wisdom and comfort in their story. May it be so. Blessed be.